Hello, hello. Welcome to the Redheaded Preacher podcast for April 24th. I'm Richard Lanford. I'm the Redheaded Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, and I appreciate you tuning in. This uh, sermon is going to be and is for the second Sunday of Easter. The scripture readings are Psalm 150 and John 20, verses 19 through 31. There is a lot in that passage. And so I kind of focused on one part of it. Um, and uh, there was a lot to say about that. At least I thought there was. <laughs> I, I hope you agree. And not that I exhausted the subject. And that's reflected in the title, Hands and Side. Our lecture today is going to be... Oh, man, I forgot. I don't have it in front of me. Oh, it's Andre Glockner. Andre's one of our trustees, one of our lay leaders. Actually, he just came off the board of trustees. Uh, he's on the board of finance now. So you see he is one of our lay leaders. And he's our lecturer this morning. Uh, he's also a great musician and singer. So without any further ado, please listen to Andre bring the word and then uh, me bringing the sermon, Hands and Side. Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in all his mighty ferment. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with uh, strings and pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing symbols. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This ends the reading from the Psalter. The next and final text is our Gospel lesson. It comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Jesus has been raised, and our story begins on that Easter night. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails on my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? 
Blessed are those who have not seen me and have yet come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This ends the reading from John and our scripture for this morning's service. Thanks be to God for this, the word of God for the people of God. When my father's funeral was over and the funeral director at the funeral home was turning something at one end of his casket, I approached him. Our families, though I wasn't part of this, but at the parent level, the, the funeral director family and my parents were friends. So there was a, a bit of an ease about this approaching him. Uh, he was turning a key to lock the casket lid down. And the key was actually a sizable Allen wrench. I asked him if I could have it. And he gave it to me. I still have it in my bedroom dresser in the soft, brown cloth pouch in which he gave it to me. With no pun intended, this was a turning point in my life. Not just the key, but the event. For like anyone, it would be a turning point in their lives. And the key is a tangible reminder, a tangible reminder or even symbol of that. Each of us have turning points in our lives not all of us get something tactile or audible to symbolize this or that event. Wedding rings would qualify, diplomas, a trophy or ribbon, a union card or a surgical scar. All are some examples of those that we may receive to remind us of what happened to us, for us, with us, or a loved one and it speaks to us of part of our identity. But other times, all we are given are memories of something that was tactile or audible or was stirring within our hearts at that time. No pictures even might remain. Yet what happened, along with what you or I saw or touched or heard or tasted or experienced, was a turning point in our lives. Without that, our lives would not be the same. You or I would not quite be who or where we are without it. So it was with our, East, our Easter night disciples and Thomas a week later. Without Jesus Christ appearing to them, the Jesus movement, as Clarence Jordan liked to call it in the Cotton Patch Gospels, the Jesus movement would have ended with the witness of Mary and the other women in other Gospels. Those were fantastic and more than groundbreaking. But in that age, the male disciples had to believe he was raised or the message would not get very far. So the Lord accommodated this, but you noticed, I imagine, that Jesus did not convince anyone in John 20 just by showing up and saying, peace be with you. Jesus appeared to the tent despite the locked door and gave that tremendous greeting. And John records no response. We knew they had been very afraid. We knew that they did not rejoice yet. 
Because as we heard Andre read, after that, after Jesus said this piece, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Showing the disciples the nail-pierced hands and the sword-pierced side was the turning point. Just Jesus showing up speaking peace was insufficient. Thomas perceived as much, saying, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Seeing those is what made the difference to his brethren Why not ask for the same thing that convinced them to believe and rejoice? A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. That sentence is the climax of the entire Gospel of John. Both Thomas and the disciples needed to see the brutalized hands and gashed side to completely cross the bridge to belief belief in joy. A turning point for them A turning point for the world, yet nothing tangible for us to hold on to, as Christ blessed those who would or could not see and yet would come to believe. So I ask to myself, what is the deal with them having to see the signs of his torturous death? Why was this step necessary for them to turn the corner? Well, it seemed that they needed to know They needed to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this Jesus is the same one who was indeed crucified, dead, and buried. Remember, Martha, in the earlier part of John, which we did not hear last Sunday or today, Martha did not recognize Jesus at first. She presumed him to be the gardener, and nor did the two disciples on the road to Emmaus on Easter night perceive it was Jesus walking and talking with them until as they stopped to eat, he blessed, broke, and shared the bread with them. His risen form was not an automatic recognize for the disciples. Only the crucified one is their real Jesus. The resurrection only matters if it is the crucified Jesus who is raised. Resurrection only matters if it is suffering and death that is overcome by God. It cannot be otherwise. It is only the raising from the dead of the crucified Jesus that bears witness that suffering and death are ultimately vanquished and Christ really is God's Son and the Messiah. It is suffering and death which is overcome by the raising of Jesus from the dead, as well as the forces of sin and evil which were working to put him on the cross and in that tomb Thursday and Friday and even days before that. He's raised up over those, this once dead one, so God's power is complete even though God's kingdom has not yet come in its fullness. This is why Mandy Stegmuller, 
years ago, following the pinning done on the previous cloth, for you newer members and friends, this is not the original one. It used to, we'd have to pin it over so the purple would show. So Mandy made a new one, and she made it like the old one used to have to be pinned, this Eastertide cross cloth with a substantial dash of purple. We are always to remember that it is the crucified Jesus who was resurrected in power. The one who cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Was not forsaken for long, but vindicated, raised to the new life from God which emerges out of death. We are reminded of what God in Christ went through. We are reminded that Jesus did not stay dead, but was triumphantly raised above it, not defeated. Let me stick to two emphases I hope you'll receive from this message. The hands and side of Jesus, savagely torn tendons and painfully ripped flesh, are the hands and side of the Jesus who highlighted the Torah's teaching on loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and might, loving our neighbors as ourselves, and added his teaching of loving your enemies and loving one another as he loved us. This Jesus is raised. The hands inside of Jesus, torn and ripped, are the same hands inside of the Jesus who overturned the tables of the money changers and animal sellers in the temple, who confronted the scribes and Pharisees with their religious hypocrisy, who finished the parable of the Good Samaritan by saying, go and do likewise, and who, by quoting Isaiah, said he was anointed to bring good news to the poor, to give sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. The hands and side of the crucified Jesus the Jesus who blessed the children and let them come to him, who taught us not to hoard but to be rich towards God, who preached the need for holiness on our insides and not just what folks could see, who, preached, who praised the poor widow who gave what little she had to the temple and who damned the rich men who left Lazaruses to die unaided just outside their front doors. This Jesus was crucified, and he was the same one who was raised. The Jesus who forgave the woman caught in adultery, the thief on the cross who was going to forgive Simon Peter, who brought comfort to the grieving and healed the very sick, who said if you minister to the outcast, sick, troublesome, hungry, and homeless, you minister unto him. This Jesus is the very same one who was crucified and the very same one who was raised. That means God says yes to all Jesus taught. God says, you heard those things. Now you know by my resurrecting Jesus who said them that I meant all that. Loving God and your neighbor, I meant that. Letting oppressed peoples go free and pushing a reset button on an economy which hurts the honest and vulnerable, a.k.a. year of the Lord's favor, the jubilee year from Leviticus 25, I meant that. Being humble without making a show of it. Feeding the hungry. Healing the ill regardless of the Sabbath. Putting the Lord first, I meant all that. Calling the religious leaders out on their love of prestige and power with no love for their people, I meant that. 
warning that there will be accountability for those who refuse such suffering, self-giving love and live only for themselves, I meant that. Loving the world so much that I gave you Jesus who went to the cross for your salvation, yeah, God says, I meant that. Well, how could you know? Because this Jesus identified by his shredded side and his hands with gaping holes, God says he raised. He is validated, he is vindicated, he is affirmed by God as the one. The resurrection of the crucified Jesus is God's way of declaring to the world, yeah, what he said. This is my son, this is my word made flesh, my speech to the planet. In Christ's resurrection, I am telling you that what he said, I meant it. And Christ is alive forevermore. I almost thought, well, I did think about almost calling this sermon, I meant it. God wins, love wins. And there's a second point I'd like to lift up on top of the fact that it had to be the murdered on the cross Jesus who was raised to convince the disciples. I first came upon it through mediating or meditating on Good Friday and under the influence of Jürgen Moltmann's theology text, The Crucified God, that through Jesus, God knows what human suffering, pain, and even death are. Then, in prayers here, many of you recognize a phrase that I later wrote and put into our pastoral prayers from time to time when we put our lives or the lives of others in the hands of Jesus that those are the best hands possible. There is a poem called Jesus of the Scars written by David Shalito. It ends saying, but to our wounds, only God's wounds can speak. And not a God small g and not a god has wounds but thou alone solidarity with and communication of the hurting hearts yet these hands of jesus did not stay in the tomb archbishop william temple uh, wrote something like sholito but perhaps a step higher a step in it further i should say only a god he said, only a God in whose perfect being pain has its place can win and hold our worship. For otherwise, the creature with his pains would in fortitude surpass the creator. But the creator's fortitude is not surpassed because Christ was raised. The hands of Jesus are the best hands to be in. Because the hands of Jesus are hands that, having been crucified, know suffering. And so know our sufferings. And they are hands that also were raised from the dead. The hands of Jesus were given to rise above the anguish and death Christ knew, and we know, into new life from God. The hands of Jesus know both despair and deep pain, and yet also new life, glory even. The hands know and hold our griefs and agonies. They also know well that God can call new life out of them as they are Christ's hands, which are alive. 
Frederick Dale Bruner wrote, when Jesus gave his disciples his crucified hands and wounded side, he is saying to them, I want to give you the reason for the peace I am speaking. A reason for peace that is deeper than a wish or words. Do not, being in hands, both crucified and resurrected, give you and me a reason for the peace Christ wished and wishes. A peace that surpasses human understanding. There is healing, hope, and power in the resurrected hands, which are the same hands that were nailed on Golgotha. Lastly, and so they are the best hands to be in. Lastly, building on this and then closing. Many years ago, a clergy colleague shared a story with fellow clergy colleagues, I was there for this, uh, shared a story about ministering to a family. A loved one was in poor health and had an equally grim prognosis. Someone in the family said, well, he's in God's hands now. The colleague shared with us what he wanted to say in response. Hasn't he always been in God's hands? In faith, aren't you and I always in God's hands? You know, the crucified and resurrected hands. That is very good news. Amen. I hope you found the scriptures and the sermon as interesting and uplifting to hear as I felt in writing it and preaching it. Next Sunday is May 1st, our church's anniversary Sunday will be 155, a little later that week. I think our anniversary is March 4th, possibly 5th. 1867 is our birthday officially. So obviously our message, our main message will be, and the scriptures perhaps, be somewhat about anniversaries and, uh, and this local, local church. Again, I thank you for tuning in and hope you'll tune in again. I didn't have an opening prayer in the intro, so let me send you out with a closing prayer benediction. Merciful God, we give you thanks for this opportunity to spend some time with your word and one interpretation of it. Bless this time to our future and bless us as we walk our way this week. Draw us closer to you and move us to want to be drawn closer to you. For this is all the work of your spirit and we are here for you. And so let us go in peace, keep the faith, love one another, serve the Lord. Amen. Next week. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to 
paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.